0: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Red Inca on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. Download our app for all our podcasts and commentaries. Our shows include Double Century on the history of the game. West Indies on 99.94 is cricket's best Caribbean coverage. India on 99.94 has considered analysis from two professionals. England on 99.94 has the north and south of the game covered. South Africa on 99.94 is a forensic look at cricket in the Rainbow Nation. And Sri Lanka on 99.94 is our newest member. Find them all where you listen to podcasts or YouTube or just download our app. Welcome to Red Inca, which is part of the 99.94 Network. I'm Jared Kimber. This podcast has adverts, but if you prefer your podcast without, in the show notes you'll see the link to my Patreon page and you can listen to our chats uninterrupted. Patreon also comes with many other benefits as well, including a Discord channel and private chats with me. But now, the show. Welcome to the Cricket Review of 2022, which I didn't really realise rhymed until I said it out loud. This is where I try and remember as many things that happened in the year of cricket with help from a few people on Twitter. Some moments mattered. Others were funny. Sometimes both, I suppose. In 2022, we had a ton of cricket. So here it is in all of its naked morning after glory. This is how many of us started our cricketing year. India losing to South Africa, and while Dean Elgar played everything the third, Virat Kohli was spewing out all of his frustrations from the last few years on the stumps. Or the stump mic operator. Either way, it looked like an unburdening that would lead to a psychological breakthrough. Although for most people, it was just a chance to make memes. But there was other cricket played early on in the year as well where people were not actually arguing with Wood. And right at the start of 2022 was Bangladesh beating New Zealand over there. That is a huge moment. It isn't that Bangladesh haven't had big wins before, but beating the World Test Championship winners away is something else. And it kind of felt like it came from nowhere at all. They also had moments in this World Cup as well, and they gave India a scare in a recent test match. It feels like there is something brewing over there that we all need to keep an eye on, although almost every time we say that in Bangladesh cricket, nothing comes of it. But Bangladesh's upset wasn't the only one. In fact, if you're looking for a theme when it comes to this year, I'd say the upsets are a pretty good place to start. And that's how the Women's World Cup began, when the West Indies rolled the host New Zealand. In fact, it was just an extraordinary tournament with so many close games, and also England and New Zealand, two of the favourites, struggling so much early on. The entire tournament just got extra press because you had to keep talking about those games. Except for the Australian part, of course, who just continues to be the Harlem Globetrotters of cricket. It wasn't just in that World Cup that was exciting for women's cricket, though. They had many upsets outside the main game. The Pakistan women beat the Indians. So far, the rivalry of india pakistani women hasn't quite been as strong as the men, especially if you're trying to garner as much attention and, let's be honest, revenue as possible from the women's game. So Pakistan beating India was a nice twist in the Asia Cup. Of course, a month later, Pakistan women lost to the Irish. One step forward, one back. But considering the rise of the men, the Irish women have not developed the way They should have so far. They haven't yet had a golden generation. So, this was an important moment in their history. The Irishmen had another big win this year that actually had a member of their golden generation involved. India travelled to the West Indies. They did this just a couple of weeks after they'd lost to the USA in a T20, which was the Americans' first win over a Test nation in a major international match. But somehow Ireland bounced back despite them having to use Andy McBrien up the order again due to COVID. But more than that, William Porterfield, their fielding coach, had to come back out of retirement and bat for them. And they still won, throwing the victory over England at the World Cup. But there were certainly a couple of times when Irish fans were uh, singing this year. But it is worth just pointing out that West Indies won again because this is a huge thing for the Irish cricket team to go over to the West Indies and win. Even if we know the West Indies aren't the side they once were, that's not how casual Irish cricket fans think of these things. But there was even a bigger story later in the year when Ireland had their first player go in the IPL auction. Josh Little, the fast left armour, who in truth, if he'd played for a bigger team, I think probably would have already got the tap by now. But while some of the wins for Ireland in the men's and women's game were quite big, realistically, the biggest thing that could happen to Irish cricket is that their players keep getting picked up in overseas professional leagues. They'll never be able to offer their players that much money, but that actually gives young players a proper career path within the game. In many ways, Josh Little is their fast bowling totem. And in the IPL of 2022, we saw one of the new franchises, the Gujarat Titans, win the title. But you know what is more fun? In the same year, we actually got the fake IPL, a tournament in which we saw some of the funniest cricket ever produced by Russians and a crime syndicate. In fact, it all reminded me of when Sudik Devoyedi made 70 from 34 balls when playing for the Kempo SBI and general team. Sadly, his name was wrongly entered as Shivang Dube on the scorecard. But back in the real IPL, they finally announced a women's edition, a long time overdue. They also signed a broadcast deal so big that you could buy a few European nations with the cash. And that same auction that little went in, we also saw Zimbabwe's renaissance shown through Sakanda Raza getting picked up. And think about this, we're only a year on after Ryan Burl's tweet about needing shoes. It's been quite the turnaround for Zim Cricket. Suddenly out of nowhere, Sikandar Raza was one of the best players in the World Cup, an IPL boy, and he did it all as a late-blooming Zimbabwean player. Think of where Zimbabwean cricket was in 2021 and even earlier. To go from where they were then to one of the best stories in cricket this year is absolutely crazy. And it actually started before the World Cup. They had been showing some good form for a little while since they'd been coming back from their brief ICC suspension. But the major victory was when they beat Australia in an out of season ODI. Sure, Australia were looking at the World Cup and had already won the series, but even so, Zimbabwe went from basically not being in cricket to beating Australia at home. That's one hell of a U-turn. And how was all this celebrated? By getting out of the first round of the World Cup, inspired by potentially the best fans at the tournament. This was already a huge achievement for them. But they made it look small when a random Zimbabwean fan inspired a rivalry that none of us really knew was happening, the fake bean controversy where a man claiming to be Mr. Bean had gone to Zimbabwe and, and hadn't gone well, but years ago. But it resurfaced, and this gave us one full day of incredible content, but we assumed that the game would go absolutely nowhere, especially when Zimbabwe put up a fairly ordinary first innings total. Of course, it was very different when Zimbabwe got on top of the ball, and then after the very final delivery, they double-clutched victory with this run out. Pak Bean was defeated, but it wasn't the only time that Pakistan struggled this year. They went into the World Test Championship with a pretty good chance of making the final. And then they didn't win a test at all from seven chances against Australia, England, and New Zealand. It kind of, all of that kind of overshadows Australia's win, which was interesting in itself. Pat Cummins was in an endless arm wrestle with Baba Azam, which was fantastic. But the real win was that Australia, a famously timid tourist, turned up at all. But obviously the England losses were more dramatic but also more romantic. The end of the first Test was absolutely incredible. England fighting the dying sun was about as beautiful as Test cricket gets, unless you are a Pakistan fan. But it just wasn't a great year for Pakistan. They were dreadful in Test cricket, lost the Asia Cup, and World Cup Finals, and in true Pakistan fan, they ended the year with some embarrassing attempt to win a game, a bunch of teenagers that they were desperate to get involved with, a former coach that they were hoping would come back, and a public spat between their administrators. Comparatively, Afghanistan had a fairly slow year. In fact, I had to check three or four times to see if they actually did play in the World Cup. But they did, when it didn't rain. And then afterwards, Muhammad Nabi left a fairly big letter saying that it was all terrible... And he was going to step down because of how poorly it was all run. Sadly, at this stage, something like this does seem to happen to Afghanistan at every major tournament. There were other things that weren't good news for teams as well. We watched the demise of New Zealand's golden generation. You wonder if this is the last time we'll see a smaller team at number one for a while. And one of the main reasons is that those teams are going to struggle to keep their players. One of the greatest bowlers ever, essentially retiring or at the least stepping away from the main team because New Zealand is no longer his main team. Now he's going to play for the same franchise owners in a bunch of different competitions all around the world. After years of talking about freelance cricketers and players knocking back playing for their countries, this is the first time that we actually saw the IPL owners buy so many teams that they could just keep one player playing for them almost all year round. While this may not be the biggest news story of this year, it may end up being the biggest news story when we look back. And the interesting thing is that it wasn't just the men who started going freelance. We saw two of the best women players in the world step away from their national teams as well. Deandra Dotton left the West Indies in what could have been a captaincy snub, but certainly she had other options available to her. Lizelle Lee left South Africa after they complained about her fitness, but in truth, they both largely left because, you know, they could. Women were starting to get the same opportunities as men, and they were taking them. And one of those main choices was that the women now have the Fairbreak International, which is the first truly global T20 league and is also a hugely important moment in women's cricket. And one of the most interesting things about it is because it doesn't have a limit on overseas players. It had just an absolute ton of players coming in from everywhere, especially associate cricket teams where women's cricket has never really got a foothold. And now they're talking about having two editions of that tournament a year. But to be fair, there are also some moves within the women's game by the major boards. The women's CPL has started. The PSL has also announced their tournament. I mentioned the IPL one earlier. But in a long league situation, it was quite interesting when Cricket New Zealand decided to pay equal match fees to men and women. It doesn't mean that they are getting the same money yet, but, you know, baby steps. Another huge move in women's cricket was Matthew Mott. The coach of the all-conquering Aussie women left that job to run the all-conquering England white men's team. For a long time, if you coached women, it meant that you had almost no chance of getting a high-profile job with the men. After what Matthew Mott did, we might see it happen more often. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. And there was also a couple of fascinating tests, like South African women actually playing one. But it was the women's ashes test that probably got the most attention. We get so few women's Red Bull games that the chances of them being any good is often fairly low. But to have it come down to the last day, with both teams having a chance to win and then for England to hold on for a draw nine wickets down, those are the sorts of moments that can really kickstart a movement. It was actually a bit of a ridiculous year for women's cricket altogether because they also had the Commonwealth Games which is an event I don't really care that much about at all. But again, it was a chance to grow the women's game. And because it was only the women, it actually gave it more importance. But even outside of the Commonwealth Games, we saw the women's grow game in ways that, let's be honest, none of us really expected. I think the most fun one was when the Rwanda Under-19 team qualified for the World Cup. I mean, those are sentences that 10 years ago would have seemed impossible. And it's also worth remembering that two of the best and most important players in the women's game left this year. Juleen Goswami played her final match against England and then fairy-tailed herself to the last wicket over. What a bowler she has been. And Mitali Raj was something even more. And it's not that there weren't any men that retired this year. Worth mentioning, Ross Taylor did, and he broke through all sorts of barriers in New Zealand cricket. Remember, when he came into the game, even his mentor, Martin Crowe, thought that for some reason Pacific Island people didn't have the temperament for test cricket. But the real difference between the men's retirements and the women's retirements is quite simply that when someone like Mitali Raj disappears, you're talking about 20 to 25 years of being a cultural icon. When it comes to Indian women's cricket, she was it. She started a decade before professionalism was even a dream and ended at the same time that women were paid to play in a Commonwealth Games. They had the fair break and tournaments all around the world. She started playing cricket when in the wider consciousness, women's cricket almost didn't exist and she ended her career just as the women's IPL was being announced. And if you want to know how much things have changed, the Indian women had some mad crazy moments when it came to cricket this year. They had two ties with Australia, and the second one was one of the most watched games of women's cricket ever, inside and outside the stadium. That it was just a random bilateral made the whole thing even more incredible. However, the biggest moment had to be the run-out of Charlie Dean by Dee Sharma. If you want to know how far the women's game has come, you only had to read the many, many, many articles for days about how either immoral or lawful this run-out was. That kind of viral attention and anger is what the detractors of the women's game said would never, ever happen. But there are other things that were far more inevitable, like South Africa at World Cup's. And to think one of the more interesting stories that came out of cricket this year was Duel Brevis, who made 162, which was talked about absolutely everywhere, and also the fact that he was touring with Mumbai Indians while South Africa could have chosen him at the same time. And his big score also happened to come about around the same time that South Africa were playing a T20 team that was on its way to creating a new World Cup heartbreak. While Brevis looked like he was very much having an apprenticeship to becoming a Jedi, poor Temba Bavuma was battling through a format that the previous World Cup he tried to drop himself from. How did all this play out in the World Cup? They somehow lost to the worst batting team in the tournament who made runs against their strength, the bowling. Plus, there was the fact that the guy who took the catch and ended the game was a former South African player. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. That shirt is haunted. Their year ended poorly as well. Their test batting just kept being, well, non-existent as they toured Australia. And if you needed a visual representation of how they went this year, Unric Norkia was smacked in the head by spider cam. You would think that's the funniest thing to happen this year, unless you're Nokia, but it wasn't even the funniest thing to happen in December in Australia. That had to be when the Sydney Thunder somehow in a T20 game were dismissed by 15, the lowest score that any team has ever achieved in the white ball game. Bravo. In terms of poor years, the West Indies didn't have a great one. They lost a couple of captains and a coach. They didn't get to the second round of the World Cup. And along the way, they made everyone laugh at them when Shimron Hetmeyer missed two flights to come out to the World Cup. To miss one plane might be regarded as misfortune. Two is carelessness. In truth, outside of Kyle Mayers' six and their win over England that might well have helped change Test cricket forever, there really wasn't that many positives for them. They did have Rakeem Cornwall's double century in a T20 game, which, of course, might have meant more if they haven't been ignoring him for ages. However, they did have one great story. They found Tajnir on and not really found him as... I suppose they always knew they had him as he was related to Shivnir on And he may not be as good as his dad. But in a year like this, him standing up to the Aussies was at least something worth remembering. And if it was bad for South Africa and the West Indies, then Sri Lanka had something of a bounce back. They actually started winning again. So much so that they only went and won the Asia Cup and they celebrated that by losing to Namibia in the opening game of the World Cup. But considering the last few years of Sri Lankan cricket, this was certainly much better for them. But let's be honest, this was the year of England and it was their World Cup too. Even half fit, they rode through it, despite a random loss against Ireland along the way. And it wasn't even their only victory in Australia. The learning disability team had already won the ashes there. But many incredible things happened in England this year. Like they went to the Netherlands, and they got higher than any ODI site had ever been. And in any other year, that would probably be the thing you'd be talking about. But England changed cricket so much this year that they leave 2022 as the first ever holders of the dual white ball crowns. And they are either changing test cricket forever, or at least entertaining the hell out of us trying. And yet, they win a World Cup, they change test cricket, they do all these things, and they still give us one moment that might be the funniest of the year. When Stuart Broad bounced Jaspit Brummer into a world record, meaning that like England, Broad had two different titles. The crowd of the most runs ever in the T20 International and a test match. And in any other year, we'd probably be talking about the weird things that happened in English cricket this year, like the blast final that finished, I don't know, like three times from what I could tell, or there'd be huge celebration for Sam Northeast and his 400 rounds. But let's be honest, this year is really about baseball. But let's be honest, this year is really about baseball. And if there was any moment that it will be remembered for, it is when Johnny Bairstow went nuts at Trent Bridge. He is a casualty of modern English cricket. Dropped, promoted, relegated, shunned, rested, degloved. Bairstow is an oddity of the modern game. And then suddenly, he plays at in innings that might have actually changed the way test cricket is played. I was there, I saw every ball live, and I still can't quite get my head around it. It felt like watching the world shift. And what Bairstow and Stokes did that day led to the 506th day against Pakistan, where England flipped everything we understood about test cricket and played the way that they had been destroying the white ball. And they did it without Bester. We don't really know what will be important from this year in years to come, what will last and what will fade. But this year, we don't really know what will be important in years to come that happened in 2022. We don't know what will last and what will fade. But right at the moment, this year was all about baseball. And consider that that happened in a year where we had a match that was watched by a decent percentage of the entire world that came down right to the end where we saw the biggest, brightest star in cricket, Virat Kohli, managed to hit this shot to help win the game. It tells you what an incredible impact England had on this year. I mean, who on earth thought a year ago that a review of 2022 would be telling you that the biggest story of this year was Johnny Doe and something called Basball? Just a huge shout out to everyone. Thank you for watching, for listening, for commenting, for sharing, for pressing the little bell icon and everything else. The more you like, the more you watch, the more you comment, the more videos we can make. Thanks again for all your support and I'll see you again in 2023. Thanks for listening to Red Inca on 99.94. For more information about us, go to 99.94dm.com. Remember to download our app or just search for West Indies, India, England, South Africa, and Sri Lanka with the search term 99.94 where you find podcasts or on YouTube. There is more information on my guests in the show notes. Please support them where you can, but also support us. If you can't help out on Patreon, every single review, share, or word of mouth suggestion to your friend helps us. However, this podcast is made available by the people who support us at Patreon, so thank you to all of those who do. There is a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. We also have a great support team from 42 with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Senapia, and Maida Akam producing some of the shows and Makunda Banredi as the head of YouTube content. Our theme tune is by the Red Cricket. Podcast Network.